the Standing Orders podcast. No, you're not. Welcome to this latest edition of the Standing Orders podcast with me, Dr. Thomas Foreman, and my co-host, the Emeritus Mayor Sue Lorne. Hi, Thomas. How are you? I'm very well, Emeritus Mayor. How are you? Fine. Thank you very much. What have you been up to since I last spoke to you? Uh, not a huge amount. Just uh, busy with work, the normal stuff. How about you? How's your ever busy life? And have you taken a holiday to a hot country since we last spoke? <laughs> No, I haven't taken a holiday to a hot country, but I have been very, very busy looking after my two little grandchildren while my you daughter know, went on holiday. To somewhere hot? No, she went to Vegas. Is Vegas not hot this time of year? It's um, it's okay. It's hotter than here. But no, it's not the hottest place. It's not somewhere that you would particularly choose to go to for a hot holiday. So You'd why did they choose the, to go there? They went there for the... Uh, the first uh, Las Vegas Grand Prix. Oh, really? Yes, that was at the weekend. So um, it was a long way to go for five days. But um, but yeah, my son-in-law is uh, very much into the Grand Prix. And um, I think that he took that as his honeymoon, not necessarily her honeymoon. <laughs> and... Um, and that was his his treat. Um, so she'll probably have to pick her honeymoon now. But um, but that was um, what I was doing at the weekend. Christ, you, you you know your daughter with the two honeymoons. She she does take after her mother, doesn't she? <laughs> <laughs> no need for a DNA test on that one. <laughs> when they were talking about going and with the flight and the hotel and I. Used I'm saying to you know, just explain to them that it's your it's your honeymoon, and um, you know you might get an upgrade or you might get this or that. And she said it's not my honeymoon, <laughs> so um, so I can't wait to see where she chooses her honeymoon. Probably in about four or five years' time, once they've paid for this first honeymoon, then um, they'll I'll let you know. I'll keep you posted on how that goes. Do so. Um... This week, I think we're going to be talking about, well, I say I think we're going to be talking about only because who knows what tangent we will find our way of going off on. Um, but it was something that was mentioned to me, which was when we have elections, particularly for parish councils, less so towns, and certainly, um, you know, you always get a contested district council uh, election, but with parish councils, when they're not contested, and actually you don't have enough people to run an election or to be fully kind of to, to basically have a full complement of, of members because you can't even copped on um sorry co-opt on not copped on, cop on. <laughs> <laughs> let's leave the copping on to other people <laughs> It's one way of getting the people to have their thumbs on seats. Um, so it, it, when you don't get enough people to uh, to co-opt onto the council, um, should the parish council fold? Should there still be a parish council with vacancies? Should there be a parish council if there aren't even elections? So if people aren't interested sufficiently to put themselves forward, that you can even have an election instead of co-opting, um, should it just go back to a parish meeting and other powers are subsumed by the district and until the next run of elections, um, there is no parish council? Mm. 
Well, yes, I suppose that's one way, one way of doing it. But I don't think that you can just stop it for if you don't get enough people on the the next election that's coming up. You haven't got enough people that's going to stand for election. Then um, I don't think that you could turn around and say, "I oh, know." So for these four years, you'll come under the district council. But if you can find um, however many people's needed for the population that's um, in that town or parish then you um you, you need to then uh if you if you can't find anybody then it stays under the district but if you can then you go to the elections i don't think you can do that really i think that i think it's a really sad situation if you if there isn't enough people in that community that want to put themselves forward but again you you know you have to remember that some areas some parishes they just need I think six is is six the minimum um, amount of um, councillors that you you need on a parish. I'm not sure, to be honest, what the ratio is for the population to how many councillors is needed. But some parishes, it's not very many. But it's not it's not good that you you just sit back and leave it to to a few people to um, you know to oversee the, the precept and. Um, and again, you know, if you look at it with um, the precept side of things, would that money then go to the district for the district then to oversee what's needed and what's needed? Or because you're not a parish anymore, parish council anymore, do you not get the precept? I mean, you you wouldn't get the precept. You go back to being like a parish meeting um, where you can still have a chair and, and call the meeting once a year and kind of do some of the kind of some of the kind of more administrative functional stuff but I guess what it comes down to is with the amount of issues that there are and some of the toxicity that there is at the grassroots of local government at the moment actually I'd, I'd go as far as to say pretty much at all levels in some degree of local government that when you end up with uncontested elections how is that in any way democratic and actually, yes, you have the option of going forward, which is a you know a choice. So you you could argue that because you have the choice and choose not to, that that's democracy. But what you're actually doing is potentially just passing it across for four years to people who have never been elected. And obviously, there there is some recognition in terms of the general power of competence that you have to have had contested elections. But since that's recognised as being kind of an element of poor governance by not having it, why do we allow people to to come on, spend four years, um, basically treat it like a personal fiefdom? You've just stood, you suddenly become chair, no one's ever elected you in, and suddenly you you have power in your community to, you know, have the casting vote and to make changes and spend public money, and yet no one has ever cast a single vote for you. I just think that with all the problems that are going on at the moment, maybe there should be a requirement that if you if you can't run an election, then actually you shouldn't have a parish council, and it should just be run by the district or then by by a kind of parish meeting. Mm. But that is our democracy at the moment, isn't it? So it's um, is it democracy? It, and and even now, like they're running by elections, and and the the turnout is so incredibly yeah. low, mm. you know. And you think that when you know a fraction of the population are actually turning out now for by elections and things for for local government, mm. and people become so disinterested with local government that actually now, you know, 
it, it really is um kind of how can I put it like you know pe people have become so apathetic around local government and local politics that actually they don't want to get involved in it they don't want to cast their vote in it mm. and actually is that a real risk for but again is it is 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 this a wake up call for people? You know, whenever they do, whenever they don't actually turn out for the elections, you know, if if you've got somebody in the community who's happy to to say, okay, um, I'm going to some, but, but some you have to go through the process of being co-opted. So, um, yeah, I'm going to put myself forward to be co-opted onto the onto the council. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, um, often you... they're having to bring in the district council just to hold a meeting to co-opt people. Yeah. So the district council puts in district councillors into a parish just to hold the first meeting to then co-opt people to then have them on yeah. there. How how is that democracy? But how, how but, is that but if 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 you've if you've got I don't know three or four people that are prepared to put themselves onto that council to to. To work out what happens to the precept, to work out what happens to, you know, the the play areas and and all the bits and pieces that a parish or a town council needs to needs to cover, um, then how can you turn around and say no, we, we're not taking you because we haven't got enough people um, in the community to stand up and 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 go up against you in an election how could you turn around and say because you could get somebody who is you know totally genuine really must be um involved in the in the in the town council and what's happening in their area i know um somebody who recently moved into one of the villages uh, close by and uh from and from the experience that she'd seen that i'd been having with our town council and the district council she was really keen to get involved in in this tiny little parish and um she then went to the you know the council and said look i'd like to be involved in it and um they said well you have to have lived in the area for six months before you can even you know ask to be co-opted onto the council and this little parish is that um they is co-opting that's happening they don't have enough people uh to stand up uh, for an election so uh and but she really you know she's really keen she's really eager to be part of that community and do what's best for for the area that's that's around them so how could you turn around and say well no we know that you're really keen and you're you know you want to be involved in it but because there's nobody to stand against you in an election then you you can't be part of it so when you look at it from that side then it's to me that would be a wrong thing to do but then the other part as you're saying you, you could leave things open for somebody to come along you know somebody to come along and then manipulate the situation to suit themselves especially Absolutely. if they're a businessman or something along those lines so um but <laughs> I just think having an election is an important check and balance. And I mean, I've actually found the the details while you were were talking at length. Um, about <laughs> one of the the most recent ones, which was at South Holland District Council, um, where they had a by election, and the councillor that was victorious um, only became victorious after they were drawing lots, and that's because they yeah. had just one hundred and fifty five votes each. Yeah. And you think yeah. 155 votes for a district council by-election. Yeah. Like, people are clearly district. switched off. Yeah, it's district. Um, and South Holland, which, which isn't too far away from you, um, yeah. you know, and I think they used to have 
don't think they do anymore, but I think they used to um, have shared services with Breckland. Mm. Um, but I think that all fell apart a year or two ago. Um, but I just think, you know, maybe some of the issues with, you know, attitudes in local government at the moment is because if you don't run an election, well, you know, you, you never have to really, if you're relying on the apathy of voters, you never have to kind of represent them, really, mm. because they're not voting you in. It's unlikely that they'll vote you out. And maybe if you have, you know, two uncontested elections, then, you know, then it goes for the district to to kind of take over and for the council to fold and it to be a um, mm. a parish meeting so that people have had the, the one opportunity and they know that then if you don't put any, like if you don't put your name forward for the next one, then actually that that's it because, you know, just repeated people turning mm. up and being co-opted, that's not democracy. That's just who, mm. who is willing out of the most unwilling people to uh, to step forward and do this. Mm. And if it's the case that no one wants to step forward because the council has become so toxic and it's so fractured, well, then it shouldn't be functioning anyway because, you know... Mm how is that going to be delivering services to local people but but this is the thing and this is why you have the monitoring offices so that if but you, you know people can't complain if if they lose that um you know the right to have that parish council because uh, but because they they didn't stand up and and fight for it in in the first place but then as i was saying if if you put somebody in place who is toxic you know is is co-opted they, they know they give you this this sell themselves as though you know they're there for the community they want everything to be and then they get into it and then it turns out that they're only there for themselves so um it then that should be an incentive for that community to then stand up and oppose that that person um in in the next election yeah but do you think so, people ever do i mean genuinely like but, people, i i think the public to the most part, are happier being on the outside, excuse the language, but I think they prefer being on the outside pissing in the tent rather than being on the inside Thomas. pissing in the tent. But no, I I think that I and I but I think the people I think over the last 10 years, more and more people over the last three years especially, I think that more and more people have thought there is no point. What is the point in getting involved with all of this? Because you're not going to get anywhere. But that's the saddest situation. Because if you don't stand up and you don't say this is wrong, what you know, what this council is doing is wrong, or um, you know, the councillor is taken to task for something that um that they've they've done then obviously everybody's going to sit and 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 it's we're going to lose even more control than what we're losing at the moment but then is it a case if they're not elected should they be called councillors well you know they, they are they are the members of the council yeah, so they would be councillors yeah I, I but take this your is point, the thing you know but, so you know, do, do you if you if you're not um officially elected does that mean that you are actually a councillor as opposed to somebody who is volunteering for the the council i don't know Absolutely. it's i mean you know, but... all, and i think this is one of the issues i have at the moment in that you know pretty much every county without fail has its town or parish council that is really struggling mm. and is is really finding it difficult to to function 
um, because of you know issues between individual members, issues between you know members and officers. And I think everyone has just become so despondent that a lot of officers are leaving the profession. And that's then leaving, you know, a mm. lot of councils without, um, like, without experienced staff. And Which... that means that it's right for, you know, people who basically shouldn't have any control and shouldn't have, you know, mm. kind of, they have no democratic kind of mandate to be there. Not only are they then in control, but they also you know, don't have experienced officers to help guide them because they've pretty much forced them out as well because a lot of people yeah. are leaving the profession and therefore there's a shortage of experienced people to be able to step into these councils. And this is this is the worry, you know, to have a to have good officers. Are you um, worried? Are you actually worried? <laughs> yes, I am this actually worried. worried. I am actually worried. But, but I am it's actually worry. worried about how things are going. I it does um I I and I've I am still part of a a group um, of um, okay. councillors asking for advice and and various things, and some of the comments and the queries that I see uh, that are being asked uh, from councillors um, in relation to officers and and uh, various things that have been happening through through these parishes, and it is it's really worrying that there isn't a lead officer whether it's a, a clerk or a, a CEO who um, can pull that team together, is that doesn't seem to be out there. The, the communication between the officers and the councillors is in a dire situation, I think, in, in quite a lot of the councils. I would agree. Um, that, hmm? I agree. At, I at agree. the moment. So I think that's that's what's what's needed, but you need to be a really strong person, as you know. You 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 had 16 councillors, and not even if they were on the same party, not everybody thinks the same. So there's going to be times whenever you know they come up against each other and they they put their views forward and and it gets frustrating and it and it can split the council even if they're all the same party. But you had the ability to, to make sure that you sat around the table, you discussed the issues that they all had, and, and then you would get things back on track again. And whether it's the same party or whether, but again, as we've said many times before, as a parish or a town, it doesn't have, to, it's not political. It's not supposed to be political. It's just supposed to be there for the community. So you managed to pull things around and get everybody, you know, working alongside each other again. But if you haven't got a strong um, lead officer, then, uh, yeah, things can seriously deteriorate really, really quickly. And even just from one meeting to, to the next, you know, if you if you have four weeks or you even have um, six months between your your parish meetings, you've got somebody who's not happy. They go and tittle tattle to another councillor and that goes on. And there's Chinese whispers all going around. And before you know it, everybody's up in arms where if you sit down and discuss the situation with each other, you, you can pull things around. But if you haven't got a strong lead officer to do that then yeah it, it, things can deteriorate really quickly and that's as bad as not having a, a council at all yeah. so um, I would agree with you and I'd actually think it's worse um to be honest because you 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 know the role of the clerk no matter how diminished it's becoming through actions of of you know I would say a minority of members 
you know, there are, it is becoming increasingly difficult for clerks to give the advice that they want to be able to give without feeling that there's going to be repercussions and you get it less yeah. so in larger councils than you do smaller councils. But even I think the basic administration of a council, um, you're actually finding it really difficult for clerks to make decisions because you're constantly thinking this is going to upset a specific council. I'm going to be caught between kind of two different councillors all having an argument and this is how it's going to this is how it's going to be. And so you do find yourself questioning, um, you know, really, do I want to stand up and give that advice? And I think my advice always is, yeah, you absolutely do. And anyone that doesn't respect you for it, mm -hmm. um, basically will never respect the role of the clerk. And, and yeah. actually, it's an important part of it that you don't give way, because if you give way on this, you'll end up giving way on, on multiple um, things because they will expect you to give way. And so therefore, you can't afford to do so. But, but it's... Sorry, on that. Done. Yeah, but I was just going to say, you said you know you you you'll lose the respect, but you have to as a, as a lead officer, you have to gain that respect. You know, you 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 take control of situations, but you don't dictate the situation. Um, you you need to be able to to say, look, this is six of one, half a dozen of the other, and this is my my advice. My you know this is. The advice as counsellors, as your as your lead uh, officer, to you as counsellors, this is my advice on the way forward on this, and um, and and make you know you have to make sure that you're not seen to be you know siding with one counsellor um, against the other. That's something that you always had an open mind on whatever was going on. You would always see both sides of the story, I'm and then you put. Yeah, <laughs> I worry about praising you up sometimes, but uh, but no, <laughs> are you telling me that I was wrong? <laughs> um, but no, it's um, it's 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 such a hard situation, you know. You've got people who who really want to be there because they want to do some good, and then you've got people who are there for a status, and and nine times out of ten will only cause aggravation. But um, and then for the officers, it's you know it's a really challenging time for everybody. Yes, uh, but my worry as well is that there's so many people out there who who think that they can't be a counsellor. Um, they they haven't got the confidence to put themselves forward. You know they're really worried that they'll get involved in something that um, is way out of their depth and and make themselves look silly in in the meantime. But. I think that we need to, I don't know how we would do it, but it needs to be out there that anybody who cares about their community can put themselves forward for election. You know, you, you just need 10 signatures uh, for people in that community who think that you would make a good counsellor. And 10 signatures? Was that for district? I thought you only needed a need proposal in a seconder. No, you. One of them, you had to. Maybe that's all finished now. But whenever I first started, I had to have. Um, well, maybe you, that's going back years. Actually, was that because you maybe first stood at a by-election? I, whenever I first, the first time I stood, so, I did a by-election. I've done a couple of uh, by-elections actually. Yeah, I think maybe my me. very first one, going back, was sixteen years or something now. Uh, would have there was we did need to have um a few signatures 
maybe need to look up. I know that you need but... ten to um like to to get a by-election. So otherwise they'll co-opt, but you need ten signatures to oh, that to must the have been where it was. Yeah, that must have been how how I first started out then. Um it's such a long time ago. Um I know. But, and um... yet you look so young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh so yeah so uh, going back in those days you, you needed people to propose you and and second you and, and you um do. and you still do but it's not it's not any hardship to be able to get those but i do think that the parish councils as they stand do you think is, is the district is doing enough to get parish uh, councillors to, to stand in elections? To, to be fair, I, th I think that districts are doing as much as they can. Um, Do you think so? Yeah, I, 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 think they, I think they are. I think, to be honest with you, because town and parish councils are their own, you know, they are their own corporate bodies. So it isn't really, you know, although they run the elections, you know, it's expected that councils kind of take care of it themselves. But election teams do run um, things. And there have been some really good ones around in your area um, where they have been really pushing to try and get more town and parish councils and undertaking reviews of how to do that. And so there is some really positive work underway. And I would say and this doesn't relate to the area in which you work but it's the general feedback you get nationwide from from clerks which is monitoring officers are in increasingly resisting being pulled into you know issues in town and parish mm. councils because mm. they can see the toxicity that's there and basically they are busy enough dealing with their own members and their own kind of basically the, their own issues they don't need to be drawn into clerk versus councillor councillor versus councillor councillor versus the community community they don't need to be drawn into any of that because it will just take up capacity and actually their ability to try and kind of find a way through is minimal they, they have no powers to intervene so asking them to intervene just for the sake of intervening does seem increasingly pointless mm. really so do you think if um that in the area that I'm in, there's 16 councillors, mm -hmm. um, do you think it's easier having a large group of councillors as opposed to five or six? Um yeah, I, I think it is. Um, mainly because you you get a wider view of opinions and it's more difficult to kind of have that toxicity in a council that's, I mean, it does happen, but it's more difficult. Whereas when you have six, if you like, think of it like, think of it like gravy, you know, <laughs> you know, when you have Seriously? kind of like a big bat Don't of gravy go there. And, and it's kind of, you know, it's flavorful. There's plenty like a flavor in there because of the amount you're gonna say lumpy. quantity that's there. But then when you simmer it down, so it's just a thick paste. It just intensifies the issues. And that's how I see kind of smaller councils. They're like they're, they're like the distilled version of it. So you really do get the, well, as I said, the condensed version. It, it really normally is that impactful because it's just a lot less people. Um, and so there's no dilution of the issues. There's no kind of sensible voice. It's normally they split between themselves into two groups or sometimes three. Mm. And then, you know, chaos ensues. Mm. Because when I first got elected onto the district council, I covered an area that had six parishes. Two of them were reasonable sizes and the other four 
were tiny, absolutely tiny. But the the thing that they all had in common was that they had not all of them. Uh, sorry, the the four that uh, were were quite small. They all had the same clerk. So um, so thinking on that side of things, uh, was it harder for her um, or him to um, to be able to you know to? But then again, those those parishes didn't meet every month. Uh, one of them was was really small and they only met every six months. So, um, yeah, so that side of it for, for Clark, um, it, it must be quite hard to try to, um, you know, to k- keep everybody happy, especially if you have got one or two that are um, very opinionated and, and don't want to see reason to others. It's not an easy job at all, is it? So why did you step down? I stepped down purely for personal reasons. I, and I, and no, <laughs> okay, maybe I had a little bit of... Pure, um... Purely for personal reasons. <laughs> well, we won't go any further with that one then. <laughs> no, no scandals, sorry to say. Maybe there was a little bit of um, frustration in how uh, things, things had been over the last 18 months. But um, no, so it was it was purely, basically it was... during your time as mayor. <laughs> I, was, I was absolutely no, frustrated with how no, it been, no, you know, no. It was it was nothing to do with the local situation at all. It was all that was happening at um, national level. Um, yeah, but um, but then saying that, you know, it's only now that I I've stepped back and um, as I said to you at the beginning, I've just spent the weekend looking after my two tiny little grandchildren and um i would never have been able to you know to give five days to to looking after them well i suppose i would have been taken as a holiday but all the time i would have had something in the back of my mind thinking should be doing this need to do this need to do that um but i could you know it it was just giving me time to focus there is times when i sit and think yeah maybe in three years time now maybe i'll um i'll come back um for the next elections, but there's a lot of time between now and then um, that I, I might I mean, change my mind. If but. you want my, if you want my opinion, um, the reason why you would, I, no. I always think it's a shame when you lose councillors like you and like your deputy um, as well. Yes, who yes, go she, to yeah. it for the for the right reasons. Yeah, and I always say that you know most of the time you can hang your hat on the fact that you were very reluctant to be mayor um you were happy with not being mayor and people thought that you had the skill set and the ability um to do it and they were right you did and you do and you were an exceptional mayor but i think that the fact that you didn't seek it out it wasn't an ambition of yours just shows that you were probably best placed to do it as opposed to those who basically stand to become important mm-hmm. in an office um, and just want that and don't want to give it up and it becomes a kind of part of their identity and so I think you know that's why it's a shame that you aren't a councillor any longer um, because you know you were very you're very good. Why thank you for that Thomas I think there was a compliment in there. There but, was absolutely uh... it was all complimentary <laughs> about you less so about other people. <laughs> but but no and I to me if you're going to do a job then you have to do it properly if you know if you've had uh, the amount of people that voted 
for us, um, you know, saying that we've got confidence that you are going to make sure that this town is is one of the best places in in the country to live, then um, you know you you have that responsibility to to keep things nice. And whenever I stood down, I thought no, the, um, I, the people who are there, the officers that are there at the moment, are working so so hard. And we'll continue to do that no matter who is is there. Hopefully, as you know, hopefully they will continue to do that. Um, but as, as long as they get recognized for the work that they're actually doing. But um, the other thing is that, you know, you. If something happens, if I look in four, three years time or if there was, you know, God forbid that there was to be a by-election and I looked and I thought, no, there's there's things not happening that should be happening or, um, and because I know what should be happening and what shouldn't be happening, then I think it, I then put myself forward again saying, you know, no, this, this isn't right. Things are going downhill. And I think that I can put 10 pence worth in to get things back on track. Then, Unlike you, obviously, I uh, want to put your ten penneth worth in. It's um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all. That's all I want to do. But no, so it would be, um, you know, I, I wouldn't sit back and say, oh, I can't believe it's like this. In in our day, it wouldn't have been like that. You can't sit and criticize unless you're prepared to stand up and say, okay, I think I can make this better and go back into it. And that's what I I think that anybody and you know before we uh before this last election as um we you know you you find people in the community that you think would be good councillors and then you go see them and try to to convince them that they would be good for the community and uh, and would stand at the next election and we had a couple of people who um you know would have would have stood would have made sure that you know that everything carried on the way that it was going to it had been previously but they just didn't have the confidence to to stand out there and say you know oh i don't think you use it i don't think you could do that then they come to a meeting and and because we had things so well organized that it did seem to to people it was it was a very professional setup it was but uh, then that, I think that just scared. No, I think that sort of scared them off from yeah. from thinking that they could do it. But and and I think the saddest thing is that it, whenever you, the people don't realise that whenever you do become part of the council, nine times out of ten you will have everybody welcome you. You will have everybody saying, you know, really good. Thanks for being here. And this is what we do. And we'll show you how things have been done previously and, you know, listen to what they have to say and, to, you know, show them how things are done, making them feel more welcome and more comfortable. That's what we need to do. And But we can harp on about this forever. I've said as well, you know, we need to, to make things more flexible for younger people to be able to join. Um, meetings need to be in the evenings. Meetings need to be online, as we've said so many Absolutely. times. Um but we do need to have a lot more people who want to be councillors. You you should always want to be part of what your community is all about. No, I couldn't agree more. Thank you for listening to the Standing Orders podcast by Politiz.